Cool. Chaz, what is going on, dude? How you doing, man? Good, bro. It's good to be back. I know. It is good to be back. I've been excited to um, to record today. It, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since we recorded last time, though. It was, was that just a couple weeks ago? I feel like I that was just air. Weeks ago. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Have oh, you man, really what, been excited, though? What's that? Have you really been excited, though? A little bit, yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> bro, I don't know why your answers on your Q&A <laughs> were just cracking me up so much. Like that person that the person that asked tips for waking up earlier and you said set an alarm and that was it. I don't know why that shit just killed me. <laughs> I got more in, like more replies to that one little story than I've gotten on anything else I think I've ever posted on my IG story. And like if I don't even remember who it was that asked that question first. Um, I apologize. I wasn't trying to be a dick, well, but like sometimes the answer is just the answer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought I, I, I was just kind of being funny, like kind of a smart ass, but at the same time, like I couldn't think of any better way to put it. So yeah. it just kind of was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up so much. Uh, anyways, what's been going on, dude? Not a lot, man. Just um, training and working and living life as usual. It's starting to get hot as hell in St. George. I don't love the heat either. So no, I'm not a big heat guy whatsoever. So it's definitely starting to get warm. We spent the weekends at the lake. I'm sunburned. You see my stomach. It's it's so red. But um, yeah, man, just been hanging out, doing a lot of uh, training. I've still been taking that super seriously and and uh living life dude how how about that vest you got on what's going on with that thing i saw your instagram post every time i see you on um just always. on like ig stories or podcasts and stuff you always got that vest on too so yeah, talk bro. me through that situation so right our last episode was like i think i ordered it right after we recorded our last episode we just started talking about it mm-hmm. and i was like this is a cool idea i want to do it um yeah so this is just a 15 pound vest uh And I don't think I realized, so we talked about the idea on the last episode, but basically like so much of your metabolism is related to how much your body weighs, right? Like it takes a heavier or moving a heavier body through space, through training, through everything just requires more calories, right? So one of the metabolic adaptations to dieting is the fact that simply your body's getting smaller, right? Like your body weighs less, so thus you burn more calories through most everything you do. Um, So we're kind of replacing that with weight in the vest and also there's this um it's thought that outside of leptin like it's, it was thought before that leptin was like primarily our body's like body fat regulating hormone right like mm-hmm. leptin levels are low we're constantly going to be pretty hungry um leptin levels are high our body tells us like okay we have a decent amount of fat like in most simple terms but then it's also thought that the actual like and it's only rodent studies that they've done but they like inserted uh, like metal pellets like inside of these rats. So it's basically like they were wearing a weight vest. And um, it was interesting. Like they, basically it sped up their metabolism. Then they removed them. They like got chunkier again. It was a very cool concept, but it's all like very unproven. Um, sure. in humans. Um, so <laughs> I pulled and then my coach Steve was is doing this as well because he's getting ready for a bodybuilding show. So I wanted him to kind of guide me through it. So pulled the trigger on a 15 pound weight vest. Um, a lot bigger commitment than I initially. Realized. Yeah, I so, bet. Oh, yeah, this is going to be dope. So basically what I've been doing is um, wearing it just six hours a day, which doesn't seem like a huge amount. But the thing is for this, like the 
the main like uh benefits to like with movement would be like okay where am i weight that's on the walks right but with this yeah. this like theory that if your body because again like with the rats like the the thought process was like outside of leptin this other regulatory um, mechanism was the actual like sense of weight like added weight on your bones right so for this to like for me just standing here to actually get the benefits of it i have to be standing so i've been standing at my desk six hours a day um you're not sitting you're standing so i'm standing six hours a day at the desk um and again like it was the first when i got i was like oh yeah this is gonna be dope and then after the first day i was like fuck this is (laughs) (laughs) this is a lot bigger commitment than i realized but i already made a post about it uh i had to get like the most expensive vest i could find so it's a (laughs) i'm I'm in on it (laughs) so it took me like a week dude first week my because when and i know we talked about this last time as well like when i gained that it's like almost it's mostly in my lower body right mm-hmm. so for me to like add 15 pounds to my upper body my lower back my hips were the first week was like, like really yeah it was it was it was a so it took a bit of time to, and that's what steve said as well same thing with like my traps were just wrecked yeah um out of the first week honestly dude it hasn't been it's been a lot more manageable it was kind of a grind to get through that but now it's it's not bad um so what i think i'm like right at two weeks in now two and a half weeks in we took it for we went to sedona and and i was like well i can't like we're gonna be on the car all day outside of that uh so i just like threw the weights uh in a uh backpack and like (laughs) get a carry water balls and shit as well that was pretty rough dude um when did you go to sedona yesterday or no sunday sunday yeah sunday just for the day Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. Sedona's only two hours away. That's right. That's right. If you'd ever come visit, you'd know that, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was kind of brutal. Also, my the thing with that was it was interesting. Was like normally when I go on a hike, it'd be like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit gassed, but not too bad. And also, I think it was just a higher altitude. But my legs were just on fire, bro. Were they? <laughs> and I had like that, like shaky, jittery, like it. It was, it was surprising, man. Um, and to be but, on less food, like that's got to make it even harder. You know what I mean? Like it's brutal on both ends. Like you don't really get a break. <laughs> no, for sure. It's interesting. Uh, really? I don't think my rate of loss has sped up too much yet. That's what I was going to ask. Which is, I mean, it's a small sample size. So the thing is too, like we had friends here um, two weekends ago. And so like, I had one, re- I had a refeed day that weekend. So I had like more alcohol, um, lasagna. So I was holding more water after that, but like, let's see, I think I've lost like three and a half pounds in the last two weeks. So it's really? more, like, did you start the deficit during when you started wearing that? Cause haven't you been dieting for a little bit longer than that? Yeah. So I'm just about to wrap up week nine of diet week nine. So how, how long are you going? How much longer do you have? Mm, I want to get to like 205. The initial plan was like 10 weeks. So I'm down 19 pounds. Again, today's the last day of week nine. Your face looks leaner. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Um, that's what everybody nice, says. Nice jawline coming through. You like that? <laughs> um, no, uh, I want to get back to like 205, man, because I want to have a long runway for building. It is diet, but to bring it back to the weight of vest, like, so I'll, we'll probably push it to. I mean, right now I'm losing about two pounds per week. 
I would even be like, I'd be good with getting a little bit more aggressive to like keep at that rate. And I mean, like I'll probably see 212 tomorrow. So what? Another three weeks of diet. So maybe it's a 12 to 13 week diet instead of a 10 week diet. So like, not that much longer. No, no. But I mean, all in all, it's gone pretty well. How's, again, um, how's hunger? Like, are you starting to get hungrier? Like, how's all your biofeedback coming back? Like the last week, hunger has ramped up. Because like before I wore this, I hadn't, I don't think I really had felt hungry on the diet. Really? But last week, like, and which I feel like that was when my body was like really getting used to this. Like right at the same time, hunger is ramped way up. So that, that's been interesting, which again, it's, it's Maybe kind that's of a good crazy. sign. Like, yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know, man. So I, I would say the verdict is still out on the weight vest. James Krieger did such an interesting, like, because he had a bodybuilder that, like, went through an entire contest prep, and he dieted on, on. But this dude, like, wore it 95% of his day, which initially I thought I was going to do, but I, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, like a it's, lot. It, it's, it is, like, and I know he, like, wore it when he lifted and everything. Um, I don't know. I'll talk to – I have my check with Steve today, and we'll see what the move is from here. But – it's, it's been interesting to see, man. I'm interested to see, like, again, I had that. It was kind of bad timing to align that with the repeat day because that always, like, throws me off. For, yeah, sure. I feel like yeah. it, was, it wasn't like I was, like, smashing food or anything of that nature. Like, it was all still within reason and within, like, the targets. But still, it's, like, kind of throws your date off a little bit. Whereas, like, this week, rate of loss has been a little bit quicker than before. So, we'll see. Oh, dude, that's cool. I've been, I've been thinking about going through, well, I don't know. I keep getting torn. I just need to hire a coach, honestly, like just to set me something up so that I can't go back and forth and, and create my, create my plan on my own, on my own time frame. What's that? You've been saying that for like two years. I know. I know. (laughs) You're right. It is time. I need to do something at some point, not for just basically just for the accountability piece, like just for the structure piece to it. But, um, but yeah, man, no, that's, that's uh super cool. I, I don't know if when I'm dieting, like I'm already in such a scarce mindset around food and like preserving energy i'm kind of a baby at this point i used to be super hardcore i like i've had that conversation with you like i kept myself very low calorie for a good amount of time like a two to three year period at one point and i think i just wrecked my mentality around dieting so like whenever i go into a deficit personally like i'm very scarce minded like okay how long is this going to take like i'm preserving all my energy like i get kind of ornery because i'm on less food like i just i don't do a very good job with it at this point so then adding that stress of the vest on top of it no way i would go i'd go insane <laughs> yeah dude it is i think basically it's a cool thing for me to make content around and yeah it's it's fun. Like I'm, I've been stoked for the blog that I'm right about this. And like, I'm gonna have Steve on and we'll like talk about, like, we'll go back and forth about it. Like that, that shit just is fires me up. Um, I would say from like what I've experienced so far, like the juice probably isn't worth the squeeze, but and it's to be determined. But again, like there's like, like that again, like the Krieger breakdown is fucking crazy from like the changes that that dude saw from like, he like, he got contest shape lean with like, on like it was i think it was close to 900 calories more than he had in the past like per day like he never even i read that in your post i think yeah dude it was so it was so interesting but i mean he like actually went up to like past his previous body weight so i I don't know man we'll see again i think it's also probably too early for me to say that um if you were to hire a coach who would you hire i don't know i don't know like i go back and forth on that in a few different ways because um 
actually just Alex and I have been having that conversation because um, I pushed him to reach out and, and hire a coach as well. Like just to start working with some other um, good names in the industry. Like he's working. I talked to you about that. I think, I think we, we might've mentioned Cody. that in the last podcast. He's working with Cody from N1. Um, and so for me, it's like, do I be selfish and do I hire somebody like for my own selfish reasons that I want to work with? Or do I go out and hire other coaches um, f- that are doing similar things as I'm doing, like to see other people's systems and other people's methods that they're using with the same type of clients that I that I work with, right? Because like me as a client is I'm different than the clients that work with us, if that makes sense. And so like it's trying to figure that out. Like that's what's been stopping me more than anything is trying to figure that out. Like, do I just be selfish and do it for my own personal gain? Or do I like do it to be a better coach and build like a better business? Not necessarily a better business, but just get more business idea for the entrepreneurial side of things, if that makes sense. No, I get it, man. That's a good insight too, dude. I think that if there's anything that's like slowed business for like, for like my company, it's, I get too, I sometimes get too deep into like what is super interesting and like, like what I'm learning. And that's like all I create stuff about where it's like, you know, it's, it is cool, but it's like not speak. And that's, I think like every, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's not advantageous to marketing. You know what I mean? Like it's cool for you, but it's not like your ideal client isn't necessarily like there are a few steps behind you. You know what I mean? So it's not quite as, I totally get what you're saying. There's like a point every three months where, okay, leads are like new clients are coming in quickly, right? Like things are growing. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we kind of like things are slowing down a lot. What's going on? And every time it's like, fuck, like I've been doing that same thing again where I'm I'm literally just creating stuff that I'm like, I'm learning and excited about rather than like considering, okay, what are the people that I'm helping? Like, what do they like? What actually speaks to them? Is it like at their level? And again, it's it's interesting how repetitive of a cycle that is because I swear it's like every every three to four months it's like there's a week where it's like okay, like what the fuck is going on like you know like things are going so quickly and then all of a sudden it's like it's and it's weird how that works, man. But I struggle with the same thing, man, because when it comes to marketing and content, like the best marketers and the best content providers in the game, in my opinion, are just repeating the same stuff over and over and over and they're finding different angles to come at it and they've got like four to five different angles at four to five different topics and that's all that they talk about over and over and it works and it brings people in right but like just as you said what i find myself doing is is doing that and the well the well-oiled machine is moving in the right direction and i get bored of the content and so like i try to change it up and then the content goes to shit and then um like my reach lessons and then like that same thing happens. And then I realize, okay, what's happened here? I need to go back a couple months when things were going really well. What was I doing? Go back into that. Things go really well. I get a little bit bored. <laughs> and It's like just re- rinse and repeat that cycle um, over the long term. But it's, it's super hard because for us, like you love training and nutrition just as much. Like you're genuinely intrigued by it. Like you genuinely enjoy it and it's a hobby as much as it, as it is a profession for you. You know what I mean? So like, and I would say that's what makes you a really good coach. But then when it comes to the marketing piece of it, like when you're not always looking at it as just a business and you're looking at it for like enjoyment too, um, they're not always like, they're kind of counterintuitive in some ways. 
And that's the thing. I feel like if you look at like, I'm not sure who like, who's like content you love, but like, if I look at the people whose content I love, they're not, and it's like, like that's fires me up to just create some dope ass content, but they're not like the people that have the biggest coaching business. Right. It's like, it's, it's very interesting how that, how that works. I think that's for me, that's like, and I like have notes everywhere that like, like in my phone, um, on my computer, like I had it on my marker for a while, like just sort of like remind myself, like, Hey, like if things aren't going as quickly, like remember this, but I still always forget it. So, yeah, it is tough. I'm interested in that from you. Who's, um, whose content do you find yourself just genuinely intrigued with that you like to follow? Hmm. I, I love I love in one's content. I know we've talked about them a lot. I really like Jeff Nippert's content. Um, I would say for him, not so much the information as like the delivery of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his is ve- YouTube to me is a super interesting thing as well um, as of late because I do feel like it's somewhere like people can grow very quickly and it's cool. YouTube, to- yeah. You think they can grow very quickly? I mean, if you look at like your, so if you look at like, okay, so Google, Google owns YouTube, yep. right? So like, I actually have a business. I have a question. Like one of our questions is related to this, so we can dig into that as well. But like, okay, so for me, so like Google is very much going to favor Google owns YouTube and like no. they want to kind of use the platforms like synergistically. So for like me, like, if I have a blog that has like a uh, high quality, like if, there, if there's videos, like YouTube videos linked up in it as well, that blog always performs better, which is like, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, and do you remember when I was taking the SEO course a couple yeah. of months ago? Yeah, I remember. It's very interesting to like, so not necessarily like as a YouTube influencer, like, like Christian Guzman or like, like the OG, like, bodybuilders i think that's probably pretty challenging to do but like i think there is more from like what i've seen there's more opportunity for like random things to like pop off and get a lot of exposure relative to what i've seen on like probably like kind of like how i don't know tiktok's probably an over exaggeration but like like random interviews with i should have rephrased that so i would say like if you're vlogging on youtube probably a little bit more challenging but it does seem like like organic reach is a little bit easier to come by on youtube because basically people haven't gotten as deep into like um okay so like like again the seo course we're digging through like okay here's how we like tag like all these different set things and like if you go like look at all the top videos they're all like scott herman videos from like eight to ten years ago yep and like we can do all these things now to where we like tag it we can cross link and all this stuff to like you understand youtube a little like you can vary so like from i should say like from an if you look at it from like an seo perspective we're probably like losing half our audience right now (laughs) from like an seo perspective i think youtube has a lot of like uh blue ocean still because people haven't really tapped that side of it there's like the influencers that crush it again like christian guzman and all these people that started like 12 years ago and then but like past that it's not like it's kind of like so the it's educational not, side, is that what you're saying? Like educational content has the chance to pop off? Mm, sort of. I would say again, like actually getting deep with like, okay, so like when we do, when we write a blog, right. And there's so much more than to like, just put information on the paper, right. It's like, okay, I'm doing all this research on keywords. Like what things do I want to make sure that I've tagged up here? Like all my backlinks, things like that. 
people haven't taken that approach to YouTube yet. Thus, like, I think okay. if you do that now, also I say that, but I'm not actually doing that. So just for the SEO purposes of being able to type yeah. it in on Google and have it show up just as like your, because your business, um, this is interesting. And I bet a lot of people don't even realize this. Your clients obviously would. And I didn't realize it about your business, which is very different than mine is that your business, this will be valuable for coaches to understand too, is like for you, the business that you've built has come off of SEO and off of blogs and mainly off of your website, as opposed to my my business has built off of pretty much off of social media, right? Like it started off of Instagram, TikTok um, blew up and that like turned into my um, main platform, right? To where most of my clientele comes from and whatnot is social media based to where most of your clientele comes from is like longer form articles that you're writing on your website. So this is like the exact question that I got. Do you want to just Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I mean, we might as well. It's a perfect segue. This was in my DMs, but I thought it was just, it's a question that I get. We both get business questions quite a bit. And do you, do you still take on mentor clients? Uh huh. I just brought on, um, I brought on two last month, two ladies that um, I'm helping with in their business. Okay, cool, cool. So I would say like if you want further business, like I've had a couple of people ask and I, business mentoring, I realized in 2020, just like isn't really my thing. So definitely hit mm-hmm. up Chaz. That is like something more in depth you're looking for because I know you crushed that as well. But yeah. um, she basically asked, um, well, she asked if I did consultation calls and like basically like, yeah, I'm happy to like hop on a call and chat, but again, like business coaching isn't my thing at all. Um, then she, so I asked like kind of the direction she wanted to take things. And she said, um, really just your beginning lessons learned with online coaching. I'm currently doing a hybrid model of in-person and online, but really I'm trying to push more business to online. So has it just been consistency for you when first growing your online space? So basically she was just asking like how I went about growing my online space and like what, how that happened like was it just consistency or what the quote-unquote secret was yeah i would say like instead of telling you exact i'll tell you how i did it but i would tell you if i could go back how i would do it starting over um would be more of basically how i started is in the blog space and getting a very good understanding of seo and long form articles while getting very consistent with um, social media, obviously, obviously as well, because social media is going to be like that short-term grab where you're going to be able to turn over some clientele potentially in a in a faster pace. Most likely, you'll be able to grow faster through social media than you will when first starting with SEO and like long-form articles, in my opinion. Um, but with time, like I think you need a well balance of both. I think that longer-form content is like what builds your foundation and the longevity of your business through like. Um, SEO through Google, through podcasts. Like for me, one of my, my long form type of content at the moment, I'm not doing many blogs or anything like that. It's podcasting where people can come and get like deep thoughts from me and learn more about me as a person. That's not like the quick snidbit stuff that you can get on IG. And I know this is going to be here forever, right? As opposed to like IG or TikTok, those posts are relevant for a few days. And then it kind of like just goes away. It's nothing that's relevant anymore. And you have to always stay on top of that kind of content as opposed to longer form stuff that can live through SEO, that can live through um, on the back end of your website. That's stuff that will be searchable forever when somebody goes on to Google and types something in. It's going to help you build a foundation of leads over the long term. And so like if you're a newer coach and you're thinking, where should I start? Everybody's first initial instinct is Instagram or 
TikTok or whatever it may be, which those are viable places to go. But if you're wanting to build a long-term sustainable business, it's going to come down to putting work in on the back end with longer form content, either in form of, as Jeremiah said, YouTube is a really great place to do that. So is um, podcasting as well as blogs on the back end. And so um, that would be my two cents because at the end of the day, like for me, do I want to be posting on social media for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. The ideal posting on social media isn't something that I do because I love to post on social media, right? Like I'm not on there because I love the attention and I'm like trying to get likes. And this is like, I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm trying to, it's helping me build my business by me doing basically just content marketing and just helping people for free. Right. And then with time that builds trust, but as opposed to longer form stuff, if it's searchable, people will be able to search that forever. As opposed to Instagram or TikTok, you're going to have to be posting for the rest of your life to stay relevant on those apps to continue getting clients. And so one big shift that I see for myself in the next, like I see some guys doing it. Like I look at a, uh, Jordan Syatt. I see him doing this right now. Like he's pulling off of social media platforms a little bit and he's mm-hmm. just going more like long form. And because he's put in the long form content work for so long, you know that like he has a sustainable business model off of the back end of that long form stuff. So he can pull off of the social media stuff. So like for me in the next five years, I would love to pull back on the social media stuff as like I take the next five years to really take SEO much more seriously and podcasting much more seriously um, and that sort of thing to build just more of a sustainable model that doesn't force me to have to be on the front end um, posting on social media when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. And I'll probably always do it a little bit, but like I just want to get to a point to where I don't have to do it every single day if I don't want to do it, if that makes sense. No, for sure. I, I, it's interesting how I think a lot of people who show up every day on social media i just really don't actually like social media at all mm-hmm. I, I never posted i never even checked instagram before i started like posting for um like my business i just yeah. it's, it's, weird. it's truly weird how much that changes um man i would say yeah i think that's that's very good insight so like when i first started trying to grow my shit and straight up i will say as well like I think I'm, I don't like whatever it is that like causes people to just just blow up on Instagram is like not a thing that I have. (laughs) Cause like, it's, I don't think it's like from, it's not a thing anymore. Like that's what I think people have to realize too on Instagram. It's not a thing anymore, right? Like people aren't getting on Instagram and blowing up unless they're collabing with other people who have big followings. But for you to think you're going to start from zero and build up without like a bunch of shareable content from other people with big followings, like you're not going to grow that big because they pulled away that organic reach. Or if you want to pay advertising, you can do it that way. That's why I moved to, like I found the opportunity on TikTok was because the engagement organically was so great there that I was able to build 150,000 followers in, in 18 months compared to I've been posting on Instagram for six years and it's much less than that. So yeah. like there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like you, I mean, you have a pretty decent size following on Instagram too, but like, when did you start, you started posting content in 2015? On Instagram? Mm -hmm. 2015, 2016. Yeah. Right around there is when we started posting. I didn't take it seriously throughout that whole time. I wish I would have, because if I would have stayed consistent through like the prime years of Instagram, when it was organically, you could reach organically a lot more than you can now. I probably have a lot bigger platform there too, but it is what it is. That's what I started in like late 2017. And again, I thought, because I, I remember I was, Sal from Mind Pump was like 
we were on the phone and he was because I was had just started blogging for them and he was like, dude, you're gonna have thousands of people shuttle your page like every month. Like your shit's gonna blow up. And I was like, oh fuck, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, I'm posting three times a week was like what the starting thing. And it was just like so, so slow. And I think now, even now I have like 2100 but again like i would say like if i could redo it i don't know if i would do that much different there was a time i think it's and like again like where i went back with her is i think it's really like for you as a coach like looking at what channels seem to be bringing in the most for you current or like where most of your clients seem to be coming from right like for me it was very much like there was a clear shift where it was like okay i'm posting on instagram twice a day uh, I don't really seem to be getting like new clients don't seem to be coming in from Instagram, but like everyone on the phone is saying like they found me through some random Google search. Right. And that's like, as you said, I would say probably 90 to 95% of our clients come from SEO. Right. Again, like very, I have a very small following, but we do super well on Google because we've been writing, I've been writing long form content for what it's like, two and a half years we've had a blog post go out every week right so and it's again like i think that's as you mentioned it's a long game i think short term like being present i think as a coach if you're trying to go from like hey i'm mostly training people in person i want to be training people online i think that like there's a bubble of people around you who know you that aren't close enough to you that like if you put out what you're doing like social media like on your facebook on your instagram clients will come from there right but then again like eventually you're going to run out of people that you know. And I think that now, especially with like Facebook and Instagram, getting more reach is so hard that like once you burn, I don't the burn through, that's a terrible way to put that. But like, it's true. Okay, like, I can, it's true. I mean, like clients, clients, no matter what the reality is, clients come and go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, like, I think we both have like very long client retention, but still like if it's okay, nine months, a year, like, again, for me, I would say, like, my first year of coaching, my following probably grew 400 people. <laughs> like, not very much, right? So, again, like, you're going to, like, the well's going to run dry. And that's where, like, evergreen content, like you said, like, the podcast, the blogs, like, uh, that's where I think that is so important. And I think that's something that people are really overlooking. Now, also, I think that, too, like, I would say for, like, anyone listening, if you are a coach, Hopefully I haven't lost everyone that's not a coach, but um, I think it's super helpful again to audit, like where do most of the people seem to be coming from? And then like, okay, that's where I should probably spend a disproportionate amount of my time. Like I know for me, I was just wasting just because I wanted to like, like someone told me I needed to post on Instagram twice a day. So I was posting on Instagram twice a day where it's like, okay, if I took that time, put it into making the blogs better or like, or like an interesting thing I've noticed lately is like um, I've stopped doing we dropped the podcast down to twice a week. Now the third podcast per week was always just me reading one of the blogs and posting it as a podcast, but still like a lot less people coming in have been mentioning the podcast because of that. So basic, which makes sense. Cause it's basically like a Q and a, and then a guest interview, right? It's never just like me mm-hmm. like talking, even if it's just me reading a blog. So that's like, okay, I know that that's something I need to, I should probably implement again. Um, but again, like for, uh, for me again, like I would say most people, most people will like, will hop on the call. They'll literally start coaching and then follow me on Instagram, which is a weird thing. Crazy. Um, I, no matter what, I think I like one of the first things I think to do is like go follow someone on social media. Um, but I, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? 
Not, no, not really. I think like the key takeaway, if you're that person who's wanting to transition online, I just think it's important. Like there's a lot of business coaches out there today. And there's these two girls that I just started up with, um, with mentor coaching and they've both come through other like business coaches. I'm not a business coach by any means. I help people on the back end with that sort of thing. But then you've got these people out there that are like helping people grow an online coaching business. And that's what they do for a full-time business. Right. And they're teaching people at this point from what I'm seeing is like that you don't need a website on the back end at all. And you can just build a, a business off of social media. And I think that's very short-sighted and it can work in the short term, but long-term, I think the home to your business is a website with long-form content in terms in terms of podcasts, in terms of if it's YouTube videos, if it's blogs, whatever it is, you're not going to see a lot of return off of that r- right up front, but that's something that you should stay consistent with in the long-term because at some point, we don't know what's happening with social media, Right. Instagram was great for Facebook was great for a long time. Then the organic reach dropped there. Then Instagram was great, great for a long time. The organic reach has significantly dropped there. TikTok is great right now. Who knows when the organic reach is going to drop there, right? But like these places with email lists as well as um, longer form content places, these are things that you're going to have control over forever. And so um, that would be my perspective. Make sure you have a website, make sure that you're writing some form of long form content. If that's blogs, if that's podcasts, if that's YouTube videos, whatever it is, make that a part of your content strategy as much as Instagram or TikTok or any of these other places as well, if you want to be doing this five, 10 years from now. That's part of that, like hearing that, because that's not something I'd really thought about, but I've seen that a lot as well. And even like my first business coach before I hired Cody McBroom was, that's the same thing they said, but like I'm, and Cody who like we both worked with for a long time. I know he pushed, I think it's like, that's the difference between like a business coach that's giving you this advice versus someone that's actually built a sustainable business. And like, just like I was saying, like the people whose content we love aren't necessarily the people that actually like have the coaching company that you want. Right. Like it's and like Cody was like, naughty, like you, this, your website needs to be dope. Like, the blogs are a big piece of this long term, like the podcast. And I, I'm so grateful for that, dude, because I don't think that I, if I didn't have that advice from him, I don't think I would have gone that direction, right? Because it, again, like most everything you see, and it does make sense, like short term. As I said, like very much like a podcast or a blog, like it took a year and a half of blogging every week before people started actually like saying that they found me through the blogs, right? Yeah. But again, long term has paid off. But I think like short term, there's like, a lot of people that don't know what the hell you do that like, if you just start like talking about your online coaching business and how you can help them and just like understand how to speak to them a little bit better, clients can come in quickly. But again, it's kind of like a flash in the pan. If there's not all these more evergreen things around it. Yeah. 100%. I had another thought that I was just going to say and it slipped right out of my noggin. So I think we covered it. Well, (laughs) did you get any questions? Yeah. Um, We'll hop into the first one on my end. Best way to warm up before lifting. There's a lot of opinions on this. So I'm excited to hear yours because I know that you've probably had a lot of experience in different ways too. Like I think of a way of like Cody's programming, how he, I know you worked with him at one point, like the way that he warms up and like uh, priming specific, like muscle groups and whatnot. Um, And then there's just a lot of different ways. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. 
honestly hate warming up, dude. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that uh, I used to do so much mobility, like 15, 20 minutes of mobility before. And I didn't really, which I would say, again, like two to three years ago, mobility was like the hot thing. Whereas I don't, and maybe I just unfollowed all the mobility people, but I don't see it like nearly as much anymore. Whereas like just like ran, doing like random mobility movements, whereas like, are we actually going to see these adaptations without like a load to go along? It's, it's very interesting. I but think in- that like the, the science is kind of like pushing it away. Like it yeah. seems that way in the last while, like the evidence-based community is like, it's not like they're making it seem not as important either. Oh, for sure. And absolutely. And that's like, so I'll say like before, like a lower body day, I just feel better if I'll do like a 90, 90 stretch um, world's greatest stretch from there. Basically what I will do is just um, before I like squat, if it's a lower body day, I'll do a couple sets of leg curls beforehand. Really. I like to like, okay, so like if I'm going to go into squat or same thing with like upper body, basically we're always, most of the time we're going to be starting with actually I'll say no matter what, like lower body, I'll do a hamstring curl upper body i will do a band pull apart a band face pull and then like a band low row and basically just try to get a little bit of a pump same thing with hamstrings like the least scientific thing i could say this is basically what has come to though for me and honestly i'd say it's how i feel best like before i was doing like what you were referring to before where it's like okay we have three to four movements we are going in a circuit it's going to be like again i'm going to very specifically prime like my core my hamstrings upper back Whereas now basically I'll cut out a lot of that and just spend more time than, okay, I've done. Okay. So like when I'm pressing, I know the antagonist muscle is going to be my upper back, my lats. Um, so I'm going to basically do like some band pull apart, some face pulls, prime those muscles or same thing. Like if I'm squatting. Can uh, I ask a question? Can I ask a question to that really quick? Yeah. So like with that, with pumping up the antagonist muscle groups beforehand, right? Like my question with that is like, I've never seen anything research wise to support that. Do you know what I mean? Like that there's any benefit. Like, so is it all like, um, just like in your brain? Do you know what I mean? Like it, it pumping some blood in the back end to, to support the opposing muscle groups or is there like, is there research out there showing anything there? Is it more anecdotal? It's not even like, I don't think it's necessary to me. It's just something that like, I feel like for me, if I like try to go, if I try to get into my, a problem I make is trying to get into my work stats too quickly. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm still like kind of sluggish. So for me, it's almost like, it's almost like taking a cold shower, right? Yeah. It's like, fuck, I really don't want to turn this cold water on. I really don't want to do like this warm up set of band pull aparts or like leg curls, but okay, I'm going to do it. And like, okay, now like, okay, like I got a little bit of pump. I feel good. Now I feel like I'm like almost awake, right? Yeah. There's no, I would say it's unnecessary. Honestly, I think that for most people, again, like if you can move through a full range of motion, like safely, then typically from there, I'll just go into like whatever my first movement of the day is. Okay. Like, let's say it's a bench press. I'm going to do like, okay. So like today I did nineties for nine for my first set. So I'll do like forties for 10, 60s for 50s for like eight 70s for four to six acclimating up. what's that just acclimating yeah basically just ramping up um it's probably smart to do i like to do one or two reps with 
near or this at working weight. So like if I'm going to do a set of seven to 10 bench press, I'll do like one to two reps. Let's say I was using the 90 to do like one to two reps with the 90. Um, and again, that's basically going to get your nervous system used to the weight. So it's not like when I get under it for my work set, like, oh, fuck, this is yeah. super heavy. Honestly, that's and that's the approach I take with most everything anymore. I I feel better. Like, I feel like I can get a better mind muscle connection. The movements are more disruptive. If rather than like having all the non-specific stuff that I did before, I just spin because when I was doing like because before like the circuits I was doing would take a good like ten to yeah. fifteen minutes. Whereas now, if it's like and by that point, it's like fuck, dude. Like, I don't have that much time to work out. I got to get into work sets. Whereas now, like taking more time with ramp up sets. I can get a better mind muscle connection. Like the movement feels so much smoother. Um, it doesn't feel like, like before I would say it almost felt like, like the first one to two sets were kind of just me getting a feel for the movement. Whereas now I feel like I get more out of every set. Yeah. Your take? Um, pretty much the same, like programming for a lot of people. Like that's always one of the big questions is I need, I need more warmups or I need more of this or more of that. When really, in my opinion, you're going to get more out of your working sets when training by by just acclimating slowly up to those working sets. So like for me, when I go into a session at this point, if I'm working upper body, it legitimately at this point, all I'm doing is like some arm swings. Um, if I'm working lower body, I'm doing some leg swings, whatever. It be. <laughs> and then from there, like it's just going in and starting. like, let's say my working sets are with six to or six to 10 reps. Like I'm literally starting with a very light weight at 15 reps and then going increasing the weight and doing 12, increasing the weight a little more, 10, um, eight, like sometimes it's more acclimation sets. If I'm not feeling super well or like not like mentally in it and need a little bit more time, or like if I'm in a hurry and, and want to get in and out, like I'm going in and doing just a little bit of warm up that way, like arm swings, some leg swings, maybe like some hamstring to squats or some bear squats or something, just working through that range of motion and then right to the, um, acclimating sets up to working sets. Cause like for me, full transparency, I've got no need or no desire to be in the gym for 90 minutes. Like my sessions are 45 minutes to 60 minutes. I want to get in, be as efficient as possible and get out at the end of the day. And if I knew that there was a lot of added benefit to like going through a lot of stretches or a lot of priming or anything like that, and it was like proven and shown, I would do it. But I've gone into training in both ways of taking 10 to 20 minutes to warm up as opposed to taking five minutes. And Mm -hmm. I really haven't seen a difference. Honestly, found myself not that it was probably because of this, but like I have had I've had a lot of banged up shoulders and banged up knees in the past. And it was all when I was spending a lot more time warming up, which it probably I wasn't getting injured because of the warm-ups. I'm just saying like I don't think that warming up is preventing injury in that fashion. Now I definitely think you need to be acclimating up to your working sets um, with a lot lighter weight and just building that up to you get to your working sets. And if you're doing that, I think you're killing most of, or you're you're basically checking all of the boxes because we do want to get our our body temperature elevated a little bit before we lift. But if you're acclimating up to your sets, like I feel like that's taking care of that for you. If you're taking three to four acclimation sets, you know what I mean. And then you're priming your CNS, um, and then you're ready to roll. Like for me at the moment, I've actually been running. I just started running a couple weeks ago. Um, Paul Carter's app, the um, the that? it's been dope dude it's it's low volume right so like it's one to two sets on each exercise basically it's one like it's three acclimation sets up to one working set that you're basically taking to failure and then every single week like you're just trying to progressively over, like beat your pr essentially like with one hard set to failure um and then like through the miso you're throwing in more like 
he'll throw in like some drop sets or a triple drop set. Like the deeper that you get into it, when it gets harder and harder to keep progressing in terms of just overload, he'll throw in some, a more advanced metric like that. So super low volume, which has been different. I'm used to, I've always been more of a low volume type of person to where I like two to four sets on most exercises for the most part. And like four sets, I'm not doing very often. I'll always talk myself out of the last one just because don't really want to do it. So now like just to take one set all out, um, I've enjoyed it. Is it like, scientifically the most backed way to train maybe not it's definitely a different stimulus like my intensity is definitely a lot higher so i definitely don't need as much volume like i leave the gym with just as good of a pump as when i was doing three to four sets with doing one to two sets so um i really enjoyed it and again gets me in and out within like 45 minutes which that part has been really nice but again it's just going in and doing three to four acclimation sets up to one hard set that we're taking basically to um mechanical failure yeah, dude, Paul's, I mean, Paul's knows this shit very well. And that's, I think, that definitely a trend across my training career as well is, like, to think back now about the vol- amount of volume that I used to do. Like, I remember our lower body day was, like, five sets of, t- what, it was, like, 12 to 15 back squat going into, like, five sets of leg press going into, like, it's like, fuck, dude. Like, now most of my work is two to three work sets. Uh, it's, but it's one I like the most. I think that is beneficial to also see, and I'm like, of course, towards the end of the mesocycle, cycle, we'll ramp it up closer to like three to four for most movements. But I think it's also beneficial from that to like, okay, I have two sets. I need to get a lot out of these, right? Yeah. So much more like, there's so much less room for junk volume there that I think is helpful. Do you feel like you made pretty good gains on that? Yeah. So, so far, man, like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm bigger now than, um, like, I feel like I've got more muscle mass on my frame right now than I ever have. Really, and, I was I was real noticing that. Nice, thanks, dude. But um, but yeah, um, like what I've been running on my own before I hopped on his programming was basically I we talked about that in the last part or in the last recordings, I believe, to where I've been running like a wave loading of of like a three week cycle of where start just a little bit shy of failure and each week get closer and reach failure on the third week. Um, as opposed to this is just more keeping everything up at failure on a weekly basis and then dropping all the fatigue after like a four to six week block. Um, but so I've just gotten started on it. I've only ran a couple weeks of it so far, but like my pumps coming out of the gym, my energy levels, my recovery is all just as good. And I've actually enjoyed training this way more rather than like being focused on, okay, did I really leave three reps in the tank? Did I really leave two reps left in the tank? You know what I mean? And then like what I was finding is for basically everyone, man, like even us as advanced trainees, like to truly know if you have one to two reps left in the tank, do you know what I mean? Like I still don't have, I'm still not the best at it. Like I've found, so like I'd be in my second week of a MISO when I was running the three week blocks and I was trying to get to the failure on the third week, right? When I would go from week two to week three, there would be some exercises where I would get an additional like three to four reps in that third week when I took it to complete failure, meaning that the two weeks prior to that, I was still like, I was probably five to three to five reps shy of failure when I was trying to be one to two reps shy of failure. You know what I mean? So like my bullshit meter for myself, I've realized isn't the greatest. And so like in my position, just to take those sets to failure on a weekly basis and just drop volume. And if I can manage recovery and I feel good doing that, like in the long term, for me, I know that again, my bullshit meter when it comes to training close to failure isn't the greatest. So like maybe I'll get more out of it this way because I'll get more productive reps and productive sets um, over the course of like a six month period opposed to like me having to almost guess in a sense, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. It is interesting how that works. I'm like on the opposite end of that. I'm always like telling myself that like, <laughs> like I, I hate, you know, it just like haunts me at night if I'm like, I'm in bed and I'm like, <laughs> was that bicep curl actually? So I'd say like, normally I'm like, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, this is going to be one RIR. I can probably squeeze out one more and it'll still be one RIR. And then it's like, fuck, okay, that was definitely, I, I surpassed that like two reps ago. Here we are at failure. Yeah. That is one rep ago. I I think that like, I don't know, man, it's, it's interesting too. And I definitely like clients are on one side of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. Also where it's like, Hey, we need to like, <laughs> because for me, then it's like, okay, I was telling myself week one, because how, how we program is like, or the program I follow currently is like three RAR two, mm-hmm. one to two, one zero to one. Right. And it's like, okay, week one, my, what was supposed to be with three RAR was one RAR. So by like week you three, yourself. Like, I've been going to failure the last couple of weeks. Like, and that's something I always have to check myself on as well. It's like long game. And, and I yeah. think that's like one of the hardest places to dial it back, but interesting how that works. Have you ever ran low volume like that before? Like, what I'm talking about, have you ever thought about that or has that ever intrigued you? Or like, just because like when it comes to that evidence side of it, like what would be your take on the two? I'd love to hear that. I think it makes sense. I don't think there's any evidence against it by any means. Um, I do think truly like that's a great approach. I think that again, it's, you have to be very good with your execution. And again, like if you're going to go to if it's going to be like, hey, we have one actual work set, it does probably need to be a failure. But I mean, I think it makes sense. It's basically like, hey, we could do, if we're going to go to failure, we need to be careful with the dose. Yeah. But on the fl- and like, if we're saying we want to failure, we probably need to actually go to failure. But on the flip side, we can get a little bit less stimulus, do like more sets. But I don't think there's necessarily one or the other that's better. Um, leg days sound terrible like that, I would say. Yeah, I... Um- I haven't even, the first leg day is tomorrow. So I started the programming last week, like midweek through the MISO. Um, Mm -hmm. This is the second week that I'm into it. Um, And I finished it last week on like two of the upper body days, a push and a pull. And then I've done a push today. I've actually done a push and a pull this week already. So I've got the first quad dominant leg day. Um, How many days a week is it? Tomorrow. So it's, it's, basically like he's got you running on like almost like an eight to nine day cycle so like a push does that make sense like it's a, it's a like push pull legs push pull legs but on an eight or nine day eight or nine day cycle throughout it yeah and then like the uh, yeah exactly so it's interesting but um i've been yeah i've enjoyed it so far there's a lot of ways to go about it i would say training like that with low volumes and for it to be effective i think that you do need to be more advanced and you're exercise execution just as you said needs to be like Mm -hmm. on point you need to know how to activate or just target the muscles that you're trying to target in those sets because you have less chance at um stimulation right and so like for beginners not something that i'd ever really program but like for people that are very comfortable in the gym and know how to um how to move their body correctly um it can be a good approach if if it's something that excites you i I love it man i agree you know you have a decent bit more questions. Um, I got a couple more. Cool. You want to make two podcasts here? Sure. So, all right, team. We will talk to y'all soon. Peace. <laughs>